0: discover the power within unity online radio the voice of an awakening world
1: the content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis or treatment always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome everyone to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is a show for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little deeper into your life than you may do on your own. We hope to offer you a unique perspective from both worlds at the same time. I'm Callie Alpert here in the Central Hudson Valley in New York with my dear friend, co-host, and spiritual psychotherapist extraordinaire, <laughs> Steve Hassenberg.
0: Callie, hi. It's been so long.
1: I know. We're we usually... haven't I haven't seen you for weeks. Well, not exactly, but it feels that way. Yes. And we're used to being extremely in touch with each other and we've had different, um, our biorhythms have been different in the last like few weeks. So it feels like it's been a long time. It's good to see you and hear you.
0: It's good to see you too. And I'm happy we have the show today. Yeah. Because I'm feeling very (laughs) unenlightened.
1: Okay. Well, that's very promising.
0: Okay. listeners.
1: So today, what is enlightenment really? That is the title of our show. Most people on a spiritual path dream of enlightenment. I know that I have and still do. The feeling of being fully awake and understanding life in a divine way. But Enlightenment doesn't have to be this lofty, unattainable goal. It can also be viewed in more tangible ways by lightening up the way you experience your thoughts, your feelings, and your circumstances every day. So today we're going to help you distinguish between the egoic barriers that slow wow. our spiritual process down. Wow. That was your, those were your words, I believe, <laughs> and the spacious witnessing that can bring us closer to the most evolved versions of ourselves. That sounds Whoa. like a good promise, right? Yeah. Are you going to listen? Are you tuning uh, in? I am tuning in. <laughs> well, not in the way that you tune in. I meant to the show, but forget it. Okay. We're having a, I'm having a meta moment already. Um. So let's talk about enlightenment. Enlightenment is a very lofty word, first of all,
2: mm-hmm. and it kind of it
1: tickles me because I mean, I know that, you know, I've I've been attached at the at my own expense to the concept of being becoming enlightened, seeking enlightenment. These words, you know, becoming and seeking as if there's something over there, mm-hmm. far yonder, inaccessible, unattainable, up in the clouds, out on the horizon. Um, and what I'm starting to learn is that that's not the case, and it's quite relieving. Really? Yeah. Okay. What, what you have think? you been
0: learning about it?
1: Well, I don't want to. I don't want to jump too too forward in okay. our show, but I mean, what I've been learning the, the the thing I'm trying to set up here in the macro way before we get into more <laughs> of the specifics is that I think. And what we're hoping to accomplish and share with um, listeners today is that um, this is a really doable thing, and it's way more meant for all of us normal little civilian earthlings than we might realize. It doesn't have to be relegated to mountaintops and monks and ashrams and, you know, perhaps – ultimate enlightenment is, is reserved for a very small percentage of people that walk this earth at any given time. But that the concept of enlightenment is probably much broader than what I ever thought it to be. Okay.
0: So, so let me say, from my history, uh, I came up on that uh, mountain path. So I was definitely on the ashram experience, the fasting, the, ashram Express. the fasting thing, the silence, even celibacy for a certain amount of time and um it had its value for for sure but i also think it made me very neurotic because i was seeking always pushing 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 to try to get somewhere that i could only get to which i only learned much later in life by letting go
1: right Right. And it's all inside us and all right. the ways that all the books and teachers and podcasts and meditations and practices all say, you know, that really there's nothing outside. It's all inside and it is an inside job is so true. And I do know that more than I ever have before. And we're going to hopefully offer um, some some ways and some stories that will uh, ground that a little bit more so people can understand what we're what we're talking about. Um I remember even as recently as like a few um, when I went (laughs) when I was looking for work and I shipped myself Mm -hmm. off to St. Louis, as you well know, for against my grain, something that I should have never done. But I needed a gig and it um, on paper seemed good and sort of intriguing. But there. Yeah. Um, and I went and I moved myself there It ended up to be only for 90 days. And I remember actually talking to you on my, um, drive back, like three months later, driving back from St. Louis to, uh, Long Island, I was going to live with my sister and brother-in-law for a few months or something. And I remember I was in a place of major transition and completely ungrounded and thrown for a loop and all these things and really feeling like I needed some grounding, and I remember driving in all these beautiful areas and looking up to the mountains and the clouds. Is, is that where enlightenment is? Is that where I'm going to like literally kind of looking and wondering where it lived, <laughs> even like though that. I know better. That's I where like my it. kind of spirit was at. And yeah. um, I remember telling you that. I think we talked on the phone on uh-huh. one of my drives or something. Um but you once said something which I think is so beautiful. Um, you can maybe this will lead to your Buddhist story. But the the punchline, the um, interpretation that you shared with me once, without me realizing there was a uh, like a prelude story to this, was that enlightenment is when you're sitting in a a boat in the middle of a lake, and the fog lifts and you realize you haven't moved. Uh huh. And I love when I mirror stuff back to you and you're like, oh, did I say that? Did I Um, say that? (laughs) You did. Yeah. And I just thought that was such a beautiful, Mm -hmm. um, for me, palpable, Mm -hmm. gentle way to kind of get it a little bit more Mm -hmm. deeply. Do you want to share the real, the the story that the kind of prelude story that comes from that?
0: The Buddhist story. Yeah. It's a a great story of attachment Mm. and non attachment. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, It's a beautiful spring day, and uh, this uh, guy and his uh, fiancee go for a boat ride, a little rowboat ride, and as they're approaching the middle of the lake, this very dense fog comes in to the point you can't see anything, and uh, they're worried about what's going to happen to them. And in the next moment, this boat slams into them and the guy starts cursing at the top of his lungs about how can you do that? And we almost went overboard. And then about 10 minutes later, the fog leaves and they look over and it's an empty boat. (laughs) It's a great Buddhist story, right? Because it's about attachment and non-attachment. And so much, I learned so much after my days in the ashram about non-attachment and about surrender and about the fact that what we're going to talk about today, so here's a good lead-in, the fact that enlightenment, for me, was really about lightening up
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And that I was so serious and I was so determined that I was missing the point, which was really missing me. Mm. And I was after something outside of me somehow, rather than something inside that was waiting patiently for me to come back.
1: Where were you in an ashram?
0: I was in an ashram for a long time. Um, since I was a transcendental meditation teacher and made almost, I made $400 a month. (laughs) Nice. But when you taught people, you would get credits to go to Europe Mm -hmm. and spend four or six months there meditating eight hours a day. And so I did that for two and a half years when I was in my early twenties. And I would never, I mean, it was precious. I spent most of the time crying about my childhood.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because you're releasing, because you're finally making the quiet space to release all the gunk to come out?
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I was having experiences that were extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a manic depression.
1: Mm. (laughs) Because you're getting like the spiritual highs and then the earthling lows. So yeah, like they the would one between. one
0: would follow the other. So I yeah. wouldn't know if I'd be hysterically crying, or in a state of ecstatic awe,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'd I'll swing th- back and forth. <laughs> I'll take the
1: latter, please.
0: I know you will. We'll give you a dozen.
1: Oh my gosh. I um, yeah. There's just so much here. I didn't know the degree to which I craved and desired the concept of enlightenment um, more than I have in this last like few years and it's definitely um, helped with my commitment to my inner work and my practice uh-huh and I've also learned that it is the last thing you want to do if you want to become enlightened or feel with what that, whatever that feeling of unity or being more in communion with source feels like. If you're um, what gets in the way more than anything is the desire and attachment to it. Isn't
2: it's it. It's very
1: counterintuitive. So. That's been part of my work, too, is to soften, like to lighten up around that and not Mm -hmm. attached so, you know, so much. Because I think a lot of people, like when we start out on whatever practice or ride, you know, whatever psychological, spiritual ride we're on, um, if we get committed to it, it can become, like you said, very serious, very austere. Um, And... You know, I know people and appreciate their discipline and their dedication and commitment. There's something to be and the focus and the concentration. And then there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, um, the Dalai Lama is often giggling. Yes. You know, that's to me like a great model of what it means to be, you know, lighter and still live, a you know, a a life of great awake, you know, wokeness, even though I don't love that term.
0: I love that. I think that giggling, that laughter is a true indication of somebody's freedom. Yeah yeah
1: right. yeah well don't they say too well let me actually let me just take a moment here and for anybody that's just joining us you're joining us on unity online radio this is the one soul radio show and we're talking about enlightenment what is enlightenment really and the idea um, that we're moving toward is that it's not this big lofty unattainable thing it's really something that we can ground more in our daily lives more than maybe we recognize that we can and there's great relief and excitement I think in that if you'd like to join us the number is 816-251-3555 if you'd like to call in share a story tell us how enlightened or unenlightened you are (laughs) (laughs) ask a question get some free advice please join Uh, we'd love to hear from you um one of the other uh we, we talk, you know, we obviously talk a lot about all these topics because these are our favorite conversations to have. And I often think about the analogy. I've probably shared this on the show. One of the things I've learned in sort of a transition into lightening up or becoming a little closer to a place of freedom or equanimity or whatever the words are, is that, um, again, it's instead of the seeking and the reaching outward and the staring at the horizon and wanting to be floating on a cloud, is that really now I know everything lives inside of us and it's all about peeling back those layers and peeling back those veils just to get to our most whole and sacred and pure and heart space self and i often think of the artichoke analogy when a lot of people talk about peeling back the layers of an onion i talk about peeling back the um the leaves of an artichoke because there's a heart inside and it's just always been my kind of corny metaphor that i've had in my head um, but then we started talking about um, Michelangelo, right? Yeah. And what did he said What did he say about the idea of like unearthing, freeing the figures from stone? Well,
0: yeah, Mike. That's what Michelangelo was talking about when he saw the marble, Carrera marble. <laughs> I actually saw a show on the Carrera marble foundry, which I oh. loved.
1: Oh, wow, interesting. I know nothing about
0: marble. Outside of uh, Florence. And he said, whenever I see a piece of marble, I'm always trying to free the figure that's living inside. Mm. I love that.
1: I love that, too. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, So in
0: peeling back the layers, let me continue. After the ashram, so... Whenever I came back from these long courses, high as a kite, and that would last for about three or four weeks, and I thought, I've made it. I'm definitely enlightened now. (laughs) Everything I wanted has come to me. And then I would go into deep despair. (laughs) And and I I couldn't get out of it, right? So I couldn't go back to another ashram, so I decided to go to psychotherapy. (laughs) and so what happened is that i combined psychotherapy because i had all these issues that i was dealing with that i wasn't peeling back yes when i was meditating things were coming out but i wasn't consciously peeling back your artichoke to discover my inner layers and so i started therapy and i started doing that and after a couple of years, I began to stabilize my spiritual experiences.
1: Mm, because you were still attached to the um, just the yumminess of being in those higher states?
0: I didn't want to admit that I had flaws.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I was perfect. I've always been perfect. Wow. What's that and- feeling? <laughs> I had it you know when you come from dysfunctional families you better be perfect because mm-hmm. if you don't you're you're going down the sewer with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so that's the kind of perfection I'm talking about. And I learned how to make peace over a long period of time obviously with myself through psychotherapy and through meditating
1: So much. I'm just, um, uh, yeah, there's, there's just so much. And I'm even thinking of like other questions I want to ask you based on based on your experience. Um, but what you're talking about reminds me, um, and you and I have talked about this in other shows too, when people um, do either um, psychedelics or um, natural medicine um, journeys mm-hmm. to try to unpack things or get to higher states with immediacy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ayahuasca, or psilocybin, or LSD, or MDMA, or well, that's different. I'm not going to put that in the same category. Um, and often that can be a really great jolt to these places right. where we can remember, because all this really has to do with is remembering our true essence, always just remembering who we truly are, yes. and come and showing up in as as holy a version of that as we can, holy with the devil yes. in front, right? Yep. So um, often when people do like go to the jungles of the Amazon and do ayahuasca, they'll feel that when they're there and then they come back and it's not sustainable because you're not doing all the other unpacking that should, you know, that in theory should accompany it, accompany it in between, which I think is what you're getting at. Right. It's the real, it's the, it's the day to day, um, maintaining and sustenance of these yeah, you tastes know, we get.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely talking to people in LA who are going to Costa Rica on a, uh if not monthly basis, every few months basis, and um, what they're telling me is that, well, they throw up a lot. So let's start with that. <laughs> if if you're doing ayahuasca in Costa Rica, you throw up for days and hours, right? Mm-hmm. But for them, it represents a, a kind of a piercing of some kind of veil that they have over themselves Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and an overwhelming kind of exposure that can be very useful and yet a lot of people are doing it consistently right and i think that's what you're getting at right that that consistent use of it is like the fuel is too strong for the human body Right. I don't even think it's good to do it that often. I think it can be good to blow open something. Right. But then you have to do the
1: work. Right, in between. So we have our first caller of the day today. Hi, caller. Are you there?
2: Hi. Yes, I'm here. Hi. This is a, a very interesting subject. My name is Jan.
1: Hi, Jan. Where are you calling from today?
2: I'm calling from L.A. And Welcome. Ha- when it co- there there's uh, two people. How is it possible that Eckhart Tolle and Byron Katie seem to have attained enlightenment without any work involved? I mean, I know that <laughs> they lived a life and they had suffering, and but it it seems to me that there was a moment that a a lightning a enlightenment occurred
1: spontaneous enlightenment we'll call it
2: yeah yeah i guess how how does that happen how is that possible can you can like can you speak about their process to be more specific you want want me to take it sure you want to go
0: kelly
1: Well, I was just going to say, number one, thank you for your question. And number two, I'm smiling because um, Steve and I've talked about this a good amount over the years that they are two examples of um, great spiritual teachers who seem to have had these spontaneous um, awakenings without all the trajectory of like the work, but not to mitigate the fact that both of them were in very deep. At least one, if not both, suicidal despair right at the moment that that um, enlightenment uh, moment happened. There's actually a few other healers I'm thinking about that um, with stories that are very similar, where they were suicidal, and then certainly a moment came, a real moment of awakening came in all those ways that you know most of us um, would only envision, like in a you know a, a, a movie or a story we're being told, where somebody comes or an angel comes or there's a message that's delivered or some awakening happens spontaneously, um, how it happens and why it happens. I don't know. I don't know. Karmic. What do you think, Steve?
0: Well, I want to tell our caller a little story first. And that's the story of my client who I was working with, who was, I was working with her while she was suicidal. And, um, One day she called me. I actually had a fever that day and I was home from work. I had 104 fever and she got on the phone and she said, I'm going to commit suicide today. I'm at the top of a cliff out in the valley and I'm right at the edge. Oh, wow. And so, yes, I tried to do my best with 104 fever to talk her down and we talked for about 15 minutes and then i heard a scream i thought she had gone over the edge i stayed on the phone completely frozen and after about 5 minutes she started talking wow. and i said what and she, i said what happened to you she said as i was pushing myself over the edge three angels came from the sky And pushed me down on the ground. Wow. Okay. That person gave up all of her uh, addictions after that moment and became a psychotherapist. The reason I'm telling the story (laughs) is because the Eckhart Tolls and the Byron Katie's of the world... Rob con- Morgan is
1: in this, um, he's in Well, Ra-
0: is he in that too? He has a,
1: he has a similar story.
0: Mm-hmm. You know who else was? Buckminster Fuller. If oh. you remember Bucky Fuller, right? Bucky Fuller was in that story because he was going to commit suicide. And a voice came to him and said that you have great work to do on the earth. You're not doing it today. So these all these stories are leading to my answer which are, these are soul contracts that people have. It usually has to do with their last lifetime on earth. And they experience kind of the width and breadth of the human experience to the depths. And the soul contract is that if they get to the end and they don't kill themselves, they're going to be enlightened because they've developed that capacity over many, many, many lifetimes. That is the best explanation I can give you.
1: It's a powerful story. Isn't it? Jen, what do you think of that explanation?
2: Oh, I think that's just amazing. Yeah, that makes total sense to me.
1: Are you? This is, this is such a loaded question. Are you someone who seeks enlightenment on any sort of active conscious basis?
2: I do. Yeah, I do. Um, the story of the angels reminds me, I have a uh, a neighbor who, um, to make a very long story short, someone broke into her house and attacked her, a crazy person, and was killing her. And uh, angels appeared for her and told her what to do. I don't remember what the instructions were. But she followed the, and they told her not to be afraid, not to, uh, not to be, not to, you know, uh, not not to be afraid, <laughs> but the angels were there, were physically there, and it just took her out of the event that was going on, and um, so I know that that can physically happen. I, I hear what you're saying, Steve, and, and it just draws to mind what happened to this woman, and... She was saved. She lived. Her life was forever changed. And um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm always blown away when I hear about the presence of, of angels. I asked her, what did she tell the police? Did she tell the police that? And she said yes, and they said they, they hear that.
1: Wow. Well, so I'm going to, with that, we're going to continue this conversation coming back shortly. We'll talk a little bit more about these stories of angelic intervention, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the more um, day-to-day things that you can do to start unpacking your road to enlightenment. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hasenberg and Kelly Eppert. Welcome back, friends. You are listening to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. We are talking about the road to enlightenment. What is enlightenment really, and is it that uh, I think we've we've decided, or <laughs> we're sharing, that it is not this unattainable, lofty um, ashram-centric, aspirational thing, um, and that it is something that we can um, all work with in more. Kind of, you know, everyday practices that when we're going to get to those in just a moment, if you'd like to join the conversation, please call us at 816-251-3555. We'd like to just do a postscript to um, our caller, Jen, right before our break. Um, you know, these stories are very powerful and we're talking about uh, the angelic interventions that come with people that are really on the edge or, or uh, have had near-death experiences or suicidal ideations or attempts. And we just want to really emphasize that, It's super important to seek out whatever um, support, mental health guidance, therapy, crisis hotlines that you need well before you'd ever, God forbid, get to uh, an extreme place. This is not in any way romanticizing those situations. Anything you want to say as the professional here?
0: The professional. The professional says that you're right. And it's what I tell people. Obviously, people come to me who are suicidal. Uh, I always give them my number. I always give them numbers of suicide prevention, hotlines, all that stuff. So they feel that they have support if they get to that place. Right. Right. So very important to say that.
1: Right. Um, And the context in which we're talking about it, you know, again, these are things that we can't explain and don't know I think your explanation was very um powerful and uh and it's fascinating and again it's a reminder of all the way bigger um karmic stories and and narratives that we sign up for in a way that we're not really conscious of while we're here so just um bridges the gap a little bit more again between the way we live our lives here and the pieces of the puzzle that we can't see and know um,
0: the great mystery.
1: The great mystery, yes. So I'd like to, <laughs> I, um, so let's, let's go back a little, some of our personal stories and our relationship with this, because, you know, again, it's when I hear these things about, you know, high vibrations in ashrams and buzzing in the jungle from, you know, mother medicine plants and angels showing up and all these kinds of things, like, you know, there's a part of it that really turns me on, that really wants to live in that kind of higher vibration, um and then i realize again like i said earlier that um that'll come when it comes or doesn't and that's part of enlightenment or lightening up is accepting that without attaching to what the outcome's going to be so that's a lot of what my work is these days amongst <laughs> the other long list of stuff um but i think about even when i was a little girl like i must have been probably about 5 years old um i always knew that there was something bigger I always had a deep desire for some sense of communion, but I didn't really have an understanding of what that was. I just knew there was a bigger entity like in the sky with like, uh, you know, kind of dictating all us little marionette puppets down here on Earth and kind of directing the story. So I always had a, a desire and, an, you know, a, a, um, a desire to kind of learn the bigger picture. Um But one of the places where it first started speaking to me loudly is after I graduated college, I was living at my parents' house, uh, family house in in New Jersey, and I was um, commuting to my first job in New York City, and I already felt this painful sense of duality. Even though I didn't know that word, I didn't know what the heck was going on, I knew that I was living from a lot of the shoulds, like tie your hair back, wear a cute little matchy matchy 1980s (laughs) outfit um take you know get your job in advertising commute every day and do this whole thing and then there's part of me in my heart that was like none of this jibes for me i don't feel aligned with it and i would take i would read my shirley mclean books those are the first books i found my way to <laughs> metaphysical i don't know why i don't remember who turned me on but you know the books find us right the teachers find us and i'd stand on the train platform platforms in this long commute that i was doing you know twice a day reading, hungering for Shirley MacLaine metaphysical stories about things like the jungles in Peru and all the funky stuff that she did on her own path. Um, But that was the first time looking back where I really was aware that I desired something that was in more communion with the bigger things and that this illusion of the checklist and Getting the job and having the career and wearing, you know, the right clothes was really not jobbing with me. I just had no language for it whatsoever. So in some ways, I feel like those were some of my earlier, the seeds were planted for like where I am now. Looking back, it's really interesting to always acknowledge all the corners that you turn or the places that you like the markers, the mile markers on this long marathon, you know, journey that we're on. You so, bet. Yeah. You know, so,
0: uh, listen, every, people have heard this story before at least once, but I love telling it, right? Tell it. So I was at the YMCA camp at, you know the story, 12 years old. Right. And I was, uh, we were playing baseball, and I was uh, up at bat. Not, no, I was not, I was waiting for up at bat. And while I was waiting, uh All of a sudden, I found myself sitting in a tree (laughs) in the right part of the outfield. And I was looking back at the game and myself standing there and thinking that I had gone absolutely mad. But I was in a state of extraordinary kind of peace. And I didn't know what to make of it. And then somehow I wound up back in my body. And then in the next moment, I flew out to the other outfield and sat in a tree. And for the first time, I actually thought, am I a spirit or am I a body? Maybe I'm a spirit and a body. What does that all mean? And I flew back into my body. And uh, that was a very, very instrumental moment for me. Not because I started following a spiritual path then, but because I never forgot it.
1: Mm, you knew that there was something There was bigger. something more. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit. I think this might be um, helpful. To, let's talk about the process of unpacking, the process of, you know, um, I told you this recently. I've tried to stop using the word seeker about myself. Yeah. I always use that word as a descriptive, even in bios when I want you know. I'm a seeker and when I'm working more of the personal growth space with things. And, you know, I've I've since learned that there's, again, there's nothing to see, there's, everything's already in there. It's just a matter of unpacking and shedding the layers so that we can get another glimpse and remember exactly what's in there, right? So let's talk a little bit about the process of unpacking and the ways that people can do it. Well, if, where
0: I started was with psychotherapy, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pe- people
0: usually know, most people know what psychotherapy is about, kind of uncovering the deeper dark layers of your father issues and your mother issues,
2: right? So and it I all have, starts there.
0: I had, of, I, had, I had a lot of I had I a lot of those. Yeah. And uh, obviously as you go along the spiritual path, and I've used these words before, we've done this when we've done this together that there are vasanas and samskaras that they talk about in the Vedic tradition, which is part of what I followed. And the samskaras are impressions left in the heart from other lifetimes. And the vasanas are the thoughts and beliefs and wishes and dreams that come from those samskaras. And so those are all woven not only into the personality but also into the cells so people who do body work are often talking about cellular memory right what our body holds the stuff that our body holds so it not only holds stuff from this lifetime but it also holds stuff that's unfinished Mm -hmm. incomplete from other lifetimes and so the unpacking process, certainly the surface of the unpacking process, you, you kind of get to with psychotherapy, my father's rage and my mother's acquiescence and all that crap. But then.
1: <laughs> and it's not yeah, crap when we first uncover it. It's the only thing we want to, yeah, we want to attribute everything to. But I agree. I'm, crap. Yeah. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> So, uh, and then
0: you get to more of this, if you do body work, you get to more of the cellular memories. And as you go along the spiritual path, you actually get to a lot of past life memories. So if we're talking about the long path to enlightenment, aside from enlightening yourself every day, that longer path to enlightenment is a freeing yourself of what's incomplete inside of yourself Mm -hmm. so you're working toward wholeness you're working toward freedom you're working toward release of a lot of psychic material cellular material past life material
1: and there's so many ways to do that you know but again i think if um if we start at the core and often i would say most often when we want it when we start to look for a therapist or take spiritual classes or start yoga or meditation, it's often out of some sort of crisis or need or desire for, you know, to, to take a, a turn away from something, um, to fix something, to heal something. I think often that's what motivates people. Maybe not so much with, um, yoga and meditation, but yeah, I, again, I'm generalizing. Um, And there's so many different layers to that. So first there's the layer of, and also it's very nonlinear. So this is just one suggestion. Um, But often it's about Number one, recognizing that something's up and that you're not, you know, to, to really honor the fact that something doesn't feel right, something's not jibing in your life, that there's some disparity between the way you want your life to be and how you're feeling or your reaction, whatever it is, or yes. crisis you've gone to or a job you've yes. lost or a relationship that you've just broken up or or worse traumas that are, you know, that are starting to creep up. It's really just number one, giving them space to exist instead of pushing them down. And then exploring and finding the way that's going to help you to unpack it where you feel safe. That's the other thing, just to decide to give yourself the the freedom and the safety to let it out, which is probably the scariest thing why so many of us walk around with everything sublimated and buried and with addiction issues and overeating issues and anger issues and all kinds of bigger collective things that I think get compounded um, or that are the byproduct of Unearthed and unexpressed feelings. I think that they're really the, the core of, of everything problematic on this planet. But that's my <laughs> that's a that's a show. For can me, I okay? can
0: I just add an addendum yeah. right
1: there? Yeah.
0: F. Scott Peck, The Road Less Travelled. Mm. Who we all love. Right? I haven't
1: heard his name in so long. Yeah.
0: Why? Who says that all neurosis comes from a failure to experience the original pain?
1: Mm, that's so good. Isn't it? So good.
0: And that's what you were just talking about.
1: Yeah, and you're it, always, yeah, go ahead, sorry.
0: It's so, I, as you're talking about it, it's so true. It was so hard for me to really go back and experience some of that original pain that I experienced as a kid,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because there was so much of it. Mm-hmm. And all I wanted to do was escape from it, avoid it, meditate it away, Mm -hmm. smoke it away. Mm -hmm. I did everything in my power not to do it, but it finally caught up with me because when things are neglected for a long time, they start knocking on your door.
1: Right, they fester.
0: Very loudly. Like, if you don't do this, something bad
1: is going to happen. Right? It's, um, it really does. It festers and often can lead to, you know, illnesses and worse right. crises and all of that. So it's really, I guess, it's a leap of faith and a leap of courage, number one, to acknowledge that there's something you want to unpack because it's not where our uh, society usually doesn't lend itself to leading us in those directions, which is why, again, there's so much secrecy or has been traditionally, especially when like therapy and vulnerability and expressing feelings, it's not something that our culture on balance um supports you know it's supposed to be compartmentalized it's just for you to relegate to your home to yourself to your shrink's office Mm -hmm. whatever it is so i think that that when we talk about unpacking that's probably the first big step because a lot of people are not you know um haven't even started yet
0: and um, i think just to reaffirm what we're saying that unpacking leads to lightening up right exactly even in small ways. Right. Right. So if I'm work, if somebody comes in and they're very depressed and even the first time that I teach them to meditate and they have an experience where they have a smile on their face and they come out and they go, wow, I haven't done that in five years. There's a lightning up that's possible.
1: Mm hmm. It's almost the image that's coming to mind right now that might be helpful is the idea of a suitcase packed with loads of clothing. And as you go start whatever your personal journey is, and it will find you if you decide, you know, it's not even like we are here giving all the different um rungs and suggestions for what it looks like because it's such a unique and deeply personal experience it's almost like it's your own personal i call it my own personal curriculum but it's like a suitcase that's packed with clothes or a box that you have stuffed and dusty in your basement and then you slowly start to take things out and the container gets lighter and there's more space that's created in there that's i think an analogy for what we're what we're describing here as our version of a road to enlightenment
0: love that right the Buddhists um, call it spaciousness.
1: Right. Spaciousness. So it's a, it's an it's a miraculous thing, you know, and it's really hard work and it's it's a life um commitment. This is not like a finite thing, it's not something you can kind of phone in. It's it's a real thing, you know, and, and it can become your biggest thing if it's what you're you know, if if what you so desire. But the more you start sort of unearthing and unloading and purging and making space, it's pretty remarkable what happens.
0: And you know what? Mm-hmm. Even sometimes, it's just as easy as not believing something that you've believed your whole life. So when you change your beliefs, right, you also free yourself and lighten up.
1: Right. Don't believe the hype. Get out of the mind. Yeah, you talk about <laughs> what, was, what was the quote? You, you said something the other day, and I like wanted to like remember it. It was so simple. But it was something like, well, if you stop believing it, then it's not true. (laughs) Sort of. I mean, that's
0: all it is. I think that was the John Nash story.
1: Mm, Maybe. I feel like there might have been another context. But anyway. Um, So... Again, this is so loaded, it's hard to do justice to, but there's so many ways to unpack. There's finding a therapist, there's just, there's meditating, there's yoga, there's taking a walk in the woods, there's doing something that would be the opposite of what you might, you know, you might be conditioned to do. There's maybe making space in your habits that might be self destructing habits. There's, um, Taking up exercising, I'm just going to throw. Any, anything that will sort of shift to give you a little bit more space to let things come up in yourself is really one of the first steps, right?
0: Well, as Gurdjieff used to say, <laughs> Gurdjieff was a um, spiritual master at the turn of the century. Right. Not was this he Romanian? Century. He
1: wasn't, or he was, like, wasn't he was, uh, a yeah. Wasn't...
0: Hungarian, Romanian, yeah. Czechoslovakian.
1: Yeah. And right? I always laugh when his name comes up because, number one, a very beautiful, like a very um, sexy young man that I met in Mexico many years ago and hung out with was the one that turned me on to him. So of course, after our, whatever, our hot love affair in Mexico, I came back to the, you know, New York (laughs) and I looked up every Gurdjieff book. I couldn't understand a word of it. Like it was so hard for me to, so I still, I still laugh when I hear his name because I haven't been able to understand anything that he's written and I know it's significant.
0: Okay. Well, I'm going to help you. Okay, please. So the simplest thing he said was change your habits so if you've been opening the door with your right hand, open uh-huh. it with the left hand, right? Right? And if you have gone going to the work the same way every day for 10 years, take a different route. Do something different. So right. every time you change your habit, you change your mind, you change your perceptions, things happen that you wouldn't expect. So that's another way to start lightening up.
1: Mm, yeah, I love that. And it really did because it just shifts the... Shifts the right synopsis, right? And there are the and it shifts the in there. circumstances, right. right? Right, you know. I think about for for me, I started um therapy in my early 30s because I was in an extremely challenging relationship, a very deeply inform um, informative and romantic international. You know, met on the shores of the Whoa, Arabian Callie. Sea and had Whoa. this. Long, you know, I was in LA. A novel. It was, I mean, very romantic and we traveled and we were, you know, oh. bohemian broke artists traveling to, you know, into Cuba. I was technically oh. not illegal doing so. I mean, we have like I have a lot of stories from from this relationship. So it was deeply formative and very powerful and sociopathic because I was really under this person's spell. And um, it's ultimately what what took me to therapy. And at first It was all about wanting to purge and have someone listen and just to like, you know, unfurl this whole like, then what I learned deep into it years and years and years of commitment and then adding to it and augmenting it with different types of retreats and books and whatever I found and conversations and friends was that it was definitely a mirror of um, uh, repeating of a pattern that I had, um, particularly with my mom and, you know, my family of origin. So and then it just goes on from there. But it's a magical thing when you can take a relationship or the loss of um, something or a job or um, whatever crisis in your life. And remember to use it as an opportunity and to trust that, while you have to feel the feelings and go through it and grieve whatever it is it's also such an opportunity to take you to enlightenment because it's exactly why it's there you don't know it at the time because it feels horrendous but if you commit yourself and find your path and you start looking back at all these touchstones they're usually the crises that were the ones that are the greatest markers of your growth and of your lightening up lightening up doesn't come from all the you know the joyful experiences usually it, does it it can Oh, nobody told me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. I know. I yes, I know it can. But can? Well, go ahead. Tell me what. Yeah, you're- those
0: what Maslow, Abraham Maslow called peak experiences. Mm. So these peak experiences, just like an ayahuasca trip or an MDMA experience, can mm-hmm. give you the remembering remembrance of the unification of the world and the fact that you're a part of that. And it can be very spectacular. And once you have that, there's a desire to always keep seeking it. And that's what we're talking about in terms of the work necessary. So it can come from peak stuff, and it can come from difficult stuff. It can come from everything.
1: Okay, (laughs) I'm gonna rewind that was yeah. It just depends on
0: if we keep our awareness and heart open to the moment and a willingness to experience fully what we're going through. As you would say, the
1: meaning of life is life itself.
0: Yes, I would.
1: And every time I've obsessed with how come I'm not feeling more enlightened, how come I'm not feeling more... High vib- vibration, you have always reminded me just to show up in every moment as fully as possible. That is the path to enlightenment, right there. Yes. Right? And sometimes yes. it can just be that simple. Yes. Right? So, with that, we had a heart meditation we'll have to offer on another show. That we oh, don't have we were going to do today. a heart
0: meditation today? Yeah.
1: Um, but we got too into our conversation. So, we'll promise that at another date. <clears throat> so these are our action steps today. And, you know, again, they're, uh, they come from a place of trying to ground this concept in a way that's doable and kind of, um, yeah, just a little bit more accessible. <clears throat> Pardon me. So the first one is to identify a storyline in your life that no longer serves you. Is there a relationship that maybe isn't serving you yours, um, taking more energy than it's filling up? Um, is there a job? Is there a passion that you're ignoring? Is there a feeling that you're that, you know, something you haven't said to somebody, whatever it might be, um, that no longer serves you. And like a loose tooth, that's finally ready to be pulled. Think did about I pulling that tooth out. Yes, you did. That's on okay. the bibliography. Um, the next one is acknowledgement of all the layers that you've been through. Um, Gotten through. So things that you have completed or purged that you feel proud of. Um, you know, if you look back, what have you made it through? What have been the triumphs? How? Where are you proud of yourself and things that you've accomplished uh, in your in your life lessons, not in the like checklist of um, achieve, material achievements per se, but things where you look back and you say, you know what, I really did a good job. I'm proud of myself. And just to acknowledge all the different layers that you have already shed and the growth that you've already accomplished and enjoyed. And then finally, think of ways where you're trying too hard to be spiritual. Danielle Laporte um, has talked a lot about this. Like, you know, we want to buy the perfect uh, meditation cushion. We want to go to the perfect retreat. We want to take in the perfect. I still do this when I read certain spiritual books. It's like I want to take in every word and really get it in my body. And then I realize I'm doing the opposite of what it's intended because I'm not gently taking it in. So think about ways where you're trying to trying too hard to be spiritual, where you're attaching too much, and maybe take a little breather from your practice, give it a break, let it go, and notice what that feels like, because that in and of itself is a practice, right?
0: Gujif would say to do
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Let me first figure out how to pronounce this. This was many years ago when I was under the spell of a, you know, a whole... Uh, love affair in Mexico, maybe I need to revisit it with the maturity and wisdom that I have now. Not. <laughs> so finally, um, I'm just gonna repeat those action steps. First, identify a storyline in your life that no longer serves you. Think about it uh, and maybe purge it from your life. Maybe try to um try to let it go. Secondly, acknowledge the layers that you have gotten through, the layers of your of challenges and lessons in your life that you have shed. And maybe write them down and just honor them. Take some time to, to just recognize them and honor them and give them a little extra love. And then finally, think of ways where you're trying too hard to be spiritual and maybe let that go. Take a little breather from your own spiritual practice. So with that, we want to thank everybody for joining us. We want to thank Unity Online Radio. You can find this um, show on their podcast. You can find us on Instagram at One Soul Radio, Facebook at One Soul Radio Podcast, We always love to hear from you next week, near death experiences, all the stories that we love to share about people taking a peek at the other side. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week.